You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. One thing that we have seen over the last three months together here in Genesis is that, one, when God has a plan, there is nothing that you, you and I can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to manipulate it. There's nothing we can do to make it happen at a certain time. No, it is God is sovereign. He is at in complete control. And so as his people, uh, we're just supposed to obey and follow. But we've also seen in the book of Genesis that when God is about to do something amazing and big amongst his people, that God always calls, calls his people out of their comfort zone. God calls his people to follow him, to obey him. And so we as a Leewood faith family at this time, as we consider, consider joining together with Cross Fellowship, we find our, ourselves in that. For maybe for the greatest, most significant time um, in this church's history, we find ourselves where God is asking us as a faith family, Leewood, do you trust me? So we just got to continue to, to trust, to follow, and see what God will do. And so you say, Adam, when, when is it going to happen? I don't know. We're still continuing on um, through this journey. Uh, at some point coming up, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you all know more specifics of, of what it could look like and those things because we want to prayerfully follow God's will as we continue into this journey of just seeing, God, what do you have for us? And Cross Fellowship, their church is praying along these lines too, and we want to pray together. So let's do that. We're gonna as we before we get into God's word, let's pray about this together as a faith family. We're just gonna pray privately in our seats. Let's pray a couple things. Pray first of all that God would reveal His will to us as a faith family about this matter. That God would would show us exactly what He would have us for do to do, and then pray for us. Pray for us that we would have the grace and the ability to set aside our own wants, needs, desires, preferences, and our opinions, that God would give us the humility to follow Him and to be obedient. So let's pray together. Uh, pray right there in your seat for just a few moments, and I'll close this time of prayer, and then we'll jump into Genesis 46. So let's pray together. God in heaven, we recognize you as the creator of heaven and earth. We acknowledge your bigness and our smallness. We recognize you as sovereign God who's in complete control. And so God, as a faith family, as we have for nine months, can just been seeking to follow your will as to how we can best leverage what you have given us to make disciples of all nations and to reach our community and world with the gospel. God, you have presented us this possibility of joining together with Cross Fellowship Church. 
God, we pray that your will would be done. I pray that you would reveal your will to us. God, we pray for the grace and the ability to set aside our own wants, our own needs, our own desires, our own preferences, our own opinions. God, help us to be able to set that aside and to listen to your voice. God, we need you. We need you, God. We need your wisdom. And God, even as you say in your word in the book of James, if any of us lack wisdom, that we should ask you for it and you give it to us liberally. And so, God, we ask for wisdom. We need your help. God, we know, as we've seen throughout history, that whenever you are about to do something big amongst your people, you you back them into a corner and you move your people into an uncomfortable place to where they just have to trust you. And so, God, help us to trust you. Help us to wait on you. And God, we're just excited, God, because we know that at the end of the day, Lord, we want to see and look back on all of this, and we want to say, wow, look what you did. So God, we submit ourselves to you. We thank you for your word, and God, I pray as we jump into Genesis um, here, as we begin to wrap up this series over the next few weeks, God, I pray that you would uh, use your word to do a work in our lives, change us, show us more of your character, reveal Jesus to us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you've got any questions uh, about any of this, you can ask myself, anyone on the leadership team. We want these questions. We welcome these questions about uh, the possibility of joining together with Cross Fellowship. So uh, feel free to ask those questions. If you've got your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 46. We continue our journey through uh, Genesis. We just have about two or three more weeks left in this series. And as we've been going through the book of Genesis, we started all the way, obviously, in Genesis 1, seeing the creation of the world. We've seen the fall of man and the sinfulness of man. And we've seen God put together a redemptive plan to save his people. And God has been, uh, God worked through a a covenant people, Abraham's family, Isaac's family, Jacob's family, to bring about the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so we've come to the life of Joseph. And this, again, I love the life of Joseph. If there's not a narrative, if there's not a, a life in the Bible that doesn't scream the sovereignty of God, it is Joseph. God has been complete control of Joseph, uh, Joseph's life to bring about a redemptive plan Next week, uh, Mike, one of our interns, will continue us through the book of Genesis. Mary Lane and I and the kids will be out in Cod's country, out in Estes Park, Colorado. So uh, we're excited about that opportunity. So Mike will lead us uh, into the continue the study of Genesis. But as we've seen through the book of Genesis, we've come to the life of Joseph. Joseph is a guy who comes from a very dysfunctional family, God's covenant family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as we've seen throughout the series, is a very dysfunctional family. 
They're lying about each other. They're stabbing each other in the back. They're, they're, they're stealing birthrights from one another. Well, we come to Joseph, and Joseph is one of 12 brothers, and his brothers hate him because he's the favorite child. His father, Jacob, gave him a coat of many colors to say that he was going to inherit everything, and so his brothers hatched a plan to kill him, but instead of killing him, they sell, sold him into slavery. Joseph is sold into slavery. He get, went to Egypt, and a man by the name of Potiphar bought Joseph as a slave. While Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house, we saw that everything under Joseph's supervision, it just expanded. It went really, really well. He did a great job. And then Potiphar's wife wanted to commit adultery with him, and then he refused, and she accused him of a crime that he didn't commit. And so then we saw last. When we look at Joseph's life, we look at it and we say, wow, what a guy that could not catch a break. Here's a guy that, whose brothers hated him. He's in a dysfunctional family. He's sold as a slave into Egypt. He goes to a guy's house, a guy's house, Potiphar's house, and just as it's starting to go well for him, he's accused of a crime he didn't commit. He's thrown into prison. Well, there in the prison, he met the chief butler of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man in the world, because in that time of history, Egypt was the most powerful nation of the world. And that butler had a dream, and he told Joseph his dream of, of, of uh, grapes being poured out into a, of a cup, and, and he, is, his, uh, he leaves prison, and he's, his position with Pharaoh is given back to him. Then we saw a chief baker who had baskets of bread on his head, and birds came and ate this bread out of his basket, and Joseph told him that he would be hung, and he was. So Joseph was, interprets their, their dreams, and he asked the butler, whose job was going to be restored back to Pharaoh, he te- he asked, Joseph asked the butler, he asked him, when your position and job's given back with Pharaoh, would you tell Pharaoh about me here in jail? Would you let him know that I'm here for a crime I didn't commit so he could get out of jail. He was asking me for a presidential pardon. Well, what happened? The butler's position was restored, and Joseph was forgotten there in the prison for two more years. But then we saw Pharaoh has some dreams. Pharaoh has has dreams of of seven cows that are well-fed. They're there grazing. And then seven skinny cows come and eat those cows. That's a pretty weird dream. And then we saw uh, that Pharaoh had had a dream of seven uh, healthy stalks of grain uh, being eaten by seven unhealthy stalks of grain. And so Pharaoh, he calls in all his his advisors and uh, uh, magicians to try to interpret their dreams. He's not able to. And the butler overhears all this. And the butler tells Pharaoh, he reminds him of Joseph and says, this guy, Joseph, interpreted my dreams in prison. So Joseph goes before Pharaoh and interprets his dreams. And here's what the seven healthy cows and the seven healthy grains of wheat stood for. Joseph said that there would be seven years of plenty, seven years of great economic growth, that agriculture would be great. And so he tells Pharaoh that over those seven years, store up food because after those seven years of plenty, there will be seven years of famine where food will be scarce 
And so that way we can survive as a nation, but also help other people survive. And so Pharaoh then sees the dreams that uh, Joseph interprets for him, and he makes him second in command, like the prime minister of Egypt. So that's where we come to in Genesis chapter 46. So take a look at Genesis chapter 46 with me, and look at verse 28. We're reintroduced to Jacob, Joseph's father, and it says this, Now Jacob had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to prepare for his arrival at Goshen. When they came to the land of Goshen, Joseph hitched the horses to his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. Joseph presented himself to him, threw his arms around him, and wept for a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am ready to die now because I've seen your face and you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's family, I will go up and inform Pharaoh, telling him my brothers and my father's family who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They also raise livestock. They have brought their flocks and herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh addressed you and asked, what is your occupation? You are to say your servant, both we and our fathers have raised livestock from our youth until now. Then you will be allowed to settle in the land of Goshen, since all the shepherds are since all shepherds are detestable to Egyptians. Now you might be sitting there and say, Adam, how did we get to this point? Because last week we saw Joseph is interpreting James from Pharaoh. He had been in prison, and now his family's coming to Egypt. So how did we get to this point? I'm glad you asked. Turn now over to Genesis chapter 42. Remember, Joseph had said there would be seven years of agricultural growth, economic growth in Egypt, and then seven years of famine. Okay, so when we see a famine, think of like a really, really bad stock market crash. Like famines to us here in the United States don't mean anything because we don't, we haven't had one. So think of it like the Great Depression and this a stock market crash, and there and it's it, there's just no food, there's no way to make money, and so they have this famine, and so Egypt is the world power, and for seven years they've stored up grain and food, and so then all of a sudden, all the world is coming to Egypt for food during this famine. So look at Genesis 42 and look at verse 1. It says this, When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, he went on, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us that we will live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. 
His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. I hope when we get to heaven there's DVR. Because I want to rewind and I want to see this moment. Because here are these guys who these ten brothers who sold him into slavery, sold him out. They plotted to kill him. They sell him into slavery. And now, because of the series of events, Joseph being lied about in Potiphar's house, being thrown in the prison, interpreting dreams in the prison, he interprets dreams for Pharaoh. Now, he's the second in command, and because that Pharaoh was a pretty weak Pharaoh, Joseph's in charge. And so because of the famine, there is no food to eat. These 10 guys and their wives and their kids and their father, Jacob, they are about to starve to death. There is no food. They will die if they do not go to Egypt. And so Jacob says, quit looking at yourselves. Go to Egypt and get food. These guys go to Egypt and they stand before Joseph. They have no idea. They have no idea it's Joseph. But Joseph knows who they are. Now, let's be honest. If I was second in command of the most powerful country in the world, and my 10 idiot brothers show up who have sold me into slavery. I might do a few things more than just speak harshly. So there they are. I mean, can you imagine that moment? You can't make this stuff up. What are the odds? And they stand before Joseph, and they've come to buy food from Egypt, and Joseph recognizes them. Joseph could immediately have turned to the bodyguards, soldiers who were standing there, and said, take these guys to prison off with their heads. But that's not what Joseph did. Here's what Joseph does. He tests them. He immediately accuses these guys of being spies. He says, you guys are spies. You've come here to Egypt to see the damage that's done because of the famine in Egypt. You've come to check all this out. They say, no, we're just here to get food for our family, food for our father, food for our kids. And Joseph says, okay, if that is true, here's what I need you to do. Because in that process of getting food, they told Joseph about their family back in Canaan. And they had told Joseph that his father was still alive again. They did not know that this was Joseph. But they said, and we have a younger brother, and his brother died. Now, you can read this in Genesis 42. We don't have time to look at this, but I encourage you to read Genesis 42, because there in Genesis 42, these brothers tell Joseph, we have a father, he's old. So Joseph immediately knows, my father's still alive. We have a younger brother 
but his brother is dead. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there when these brothers said his brother is dead? And there, there they are standing right in front of Joseph. And Joseph tests them. He says, well, okay, to prove to me that you are not spies, here's some food. You go back to your, your homeland of Canaan. But when you need food again, you need to bring back your younger brother with you. So they go back home. They go back home with the food, with, with all the food they get from Egypt. And then, what would you know? Look at ver, verse 43, or chapter 43. Turn over there to verse 1. It says, Now the famine in the land was severe. When they had used up the grain they had brought back from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, the man, talking about Joseph, they have no idea. The man specifically warned us, you will not see me again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go. For the man said to us, you will not see me again unless your brother is with us. Why have you caused me so much trouble, Israel asked. Why did you tell the man that you had another brother? They answered, the man kept asking about us and our family. Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And we answered him accordingly. How could we know that he would say, bring your brother here? You see, Jacob did not want Benjamin to go. Why? Because he had already lost Joseph. But they have no choice they have to go back to Egypt. So eventually, they convince letting Benjamin going, go to go back to Egypt. They go back. They take him. Joseph sees his blood brother Benjamin. They stand before him. It says that Joseph excuses himself and he weeps. Joseph then does something really unusual. He invites these guys into their home. You see this in Genesis 44. Joseph invites his brothers into their home. They Again, they have no idea. And they eat with him. And Joseph drops a really interesting hint to them that I know I'm on to you guys. You can again read this in Genesis 44. Don't take my word for it, but go back and read it. When they sit there and they eat with Joseph... Joseph gives the oldest brother the least amount of food, and he works his way down through all the brothers, and as they get younger and younger, he gives them more food until all the way to the time he gets down to Benjamin, and he gets the most food. If these guys can't take a hint that Joseph's playing mind games with them, I don't know what they could figure out. They eat with him. They drink with him. Joseph sends them back with a double amount of food, the leftover food from their dinner, and they go back. But Joseph does one thing. He puts his silver cup into Benjamin's bag, which was stealing, which would have been stealing. Joseph puts it in his bag, and as these guys begin to leave Egypt... Bible says that Joseph sends his servants out after them, and they overtake them. They overtake his brothers, and they tell them, and tell, and, and they tell him, someone's stolen the silver cup. The brothers say, we didn't steal the cup. We don't know what you're talking about. We had dinner with him, but now we're just going home. 
They said, we need to search all of your bags. They searched the bags and, bags, and lo and behold, Joseph's silver cup is there with Benjamin. The brothers are distraught because Joseph said, if my silver cup is in one of their bags, I'm taking that brother as a slave, and they're never going home again. They are distraught. They know that this will literally kill their father. He had already lost Joseph. Now he's going to lose Benjamin. So they come back to Joseph. Now take a look at Genesis chapter 45. Or let's look at verse 18. Let's take a look at Genesis 44 and verse 18. It says 18. It says, But Judah approached him and said, My Lord, please let your servant speak personally to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, My Lord, we have an elderly father and a younger brother, the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead. He is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him to me so that I can see him. But we said to, to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave, his father would die. Then you said to, to your servants, If your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. This is what happened. We went back to your servant, my father. We reported to him the words of my Lord. But our father said, go again and buy us a little food. We told him we cannot go down unless our younger brother goes with us. If our younger brother isn't with us, we cannot see the man. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One is gone from me. I said he must have been torn to pieces, and, if I, and, and, I, and I have never seen him again. If you also take this one from me and anything happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol and sorrow. So if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life is wrapped up with the boy's life. When he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Then your servants will, will, have, servants will have brought the gray hairs of your servant, our father, down to Sheol and sorrow. Your servant became accountable to my father for the boy, saying, If I do not return to you, I will always bear the guilt of sinning against you, my father. Now please, let your servant, this is Judah talking, let me, let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers, for how can I go back to my father without the boy? I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. Can you sense the drama here? Judah is saying, I cannot go back without Benjamin. It will literally kill my dad. Take me instead. Send Benjamin back. Take me instead. Now, it's interesting things, how things have changed. Because as you remember, these brothers sold Joseph into slavery they lied about it. They took Joseph's coat of many colors. They dipped it in the blood of an animal. They shredded it, and they told their father, and wild animal has killed him, and Jacob grieved. And as we see here in Genesis 44, Jacob never got over it. And can you imagine these brothers, the guilt, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, seeing their father grieve of the death of his son, thinking a wild animal killed him, knowing the whole time they sold him into slavery. But now their tone has changed in Genesis 44, 
where Judah, who one time said, let's sell him into slavery, Judah is now saying, you send Benjamin back, take me instead. Now look at Genesis 45 and verse 1. It says, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all of his attendants, so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brother, but he wept so loudly that also Pharaoh's household heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, and I would love to have been there, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. You think. You think. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. They came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. What a perspective. What a perspective. Here's a man who had been slid about. He had been sold into slavery, accused of a crime in his master's house that he didn't commit, thrown into jail and forgotten in jail for another two years. And he said, God sent me here to preserve life. Your lives, brothers. See, we need to go back, all the way back to the covenant that God had made with Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham. What did God tell Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 22? God had told Abraham, through your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed and that promise was passed down to Isaac. God told Isaac, just like he told Abraham, your family will be like the stars of the sky, the sand of the sea. You won't be even be able to count the stars, count, count the many people that will come through your family. Jake, God told Jacob, through your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This covenant, this promise is passed all the way down. Now, listen, if they had died in this famine, God would have broken his covenant. God would have broken his promise. And so God in his sovereignty, God in his redemptive plan brings about a famine, puts Joseph in the right place at the right time to save people's lives, including his brothers, this covenant family, and Joseph preserves his life. What does all of this teach us about God is that God preserves and takes care of his people. There is nothing that can stop God's plan. Not even a famine can stop it. Not even the evil and the wickedness of these brothers of selling Joseph their own brother into slavery can stop it. God takes care of his people. He preserves his people. And God today will take care of us. 
God has promised. Jesus even told his disciple, d- disciples, he says, my father has placed all those that are mine in my hand and no one can pluck them from my hand. We are, as God's people, we are eternally secure. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are spiritually cared for, you have been spiritually provided for, and you have a home in heaven. God takes care of his people, he preserves his people, and again, we see Joseph here. He is sent to Egypt. He has a long, hard road to get to this point, but Joseph is sent to preserve life. And one day, there would be a greater one who would be sent. A greater one that would be sent to preserve life. There would be one who would be sent to provide eternal life. And that would be Jesus Christ. See, Joseph is a picture of what the coming Messiah, Jesus, would come to do. That God would take care of his people. He would preserve his people for his glory and their good. Pray with me. God, what a creative, redemptive plan you have put together. And God, we thank you for the life of Joseph and how we see how you used Joseph to preserve your people this covenant family. And God, today we recognize that we sit here today because of what you accomplished in the life of Joseph, that Jesus would come and he would preserve our lives. He would provide salvation for us. God, thank you for being a God who takes care of his people, that you preserve us. You know what's best for us. You know what's good for us. Not because we are good in and of ourselves, not because we've, we've just done all of these things to make you happy, but because of your grace and your mercy, you work out for our good. You take care of us spiritually. And we thank you that you are always at work for your glory and our good. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Oh,